0: Welcome back. I'm here again with Dr. Sean McFate, and today we're going to focus on China. Sean Speaker Pelosi just got back from her trip, I believe. China was acting a little bit hyperbolic, I would say. Yeah. And Nancy Nancy called their bluff. So,
1: yeah, brave Nancy. Although,
0: although I think they're still spinning things up over there because again the western media is not doing a, a, a very good yeah. job of covering what's going on over there
1: no so there has been a lot of bluster from from china so china likes to saber rattle or fan rattle or whatever you want to call it uh a lot and i you know she's the ultimate fawn ops so fun ops in military parlance means freedom of navigation operations so for example, you know China builds an island in the South China Sea and militarizes that island. Basically, they're these. Think of these islands as like stationary aircraft carriers, you know. And and they say this is Chinese territory. You can't come within 12 miles in international waters. And like we'll fly a B-52 right above it, you know, yeah. just to say like screw you and your whatever your claims. Yeah, and then U.S. and and then we you know we also do the same thing with with Harley Burke destroyers and stuff like that. And so. So basically we call their bluff. They say this is ours and we, we call it and and so sending her there or she going there is the ultimate faun ops because China, as you know, it views Taiwan as a renegade province and they have a one China policy rule. And they go around the world demanding that countries observe it and they give them money, like development money if they do and they they withhold it and they and nothing will, anger chinese diplomat more than to suggest that taiwan is an independent nation and then for having the speaker of the house land there and basically salute the taiwanese flag and and that has been a long critic of china it is a major fu to china and china is freaked out and of course there their people who live in a police state and are fed propaganda by you know the beijing communist authorities so they think of it as like they their point of view is like we are we are the aggressors to a peaceful nation of china you know and they're angry and you know but you know i so that's in the news and everybody i know in the pentagon on the i know a couple people working at china desks have not slept since since that trip began they've been you know, living in their offices, doing goodness knows what.
0: But by, by the way, just a point of uh, fact: we're on Zoom, and anything you say or do passes through into servers on the Chinese side. Okay. So just be aware.
1: It, it, okay. Well, you know, I'm not going to China anytime soon. Uh, doesn't mean they can't reach me. They already they already have my security clearance anyway. You know, the, yeah, they, remember, yeah, they have mine, too. They yeah, have yeah. my, Yeah. They, well, One of the yeah, biggest I, military coups in history. Yeah. It's so long year, since
0: expired. But I, yeah, they have my top still have your, yeah. But mm. I mean,
1: you know, for viewers, you can maybe explain to the viewers, like, the significance of this, right? What year was that? 2014 or something?
0: People can look it up under the OPM, Oscar Papal yes. Mike, OPM yeah. Hack, Office of Personal Management. And they, you know, got access to, you they know, thousands. All-
1: they took, I think, almost everybody's security clearance, which is like... now there, there, there's some stuff. Yeah. There,
0: there's there's some stuff, stuff. Yeah. like if you were people, yeah. yeah, if you were on a black project, typically what happens is they project, yeah. at least in the army they remove you from a, the dasher fi- yeah. file and put your data yeah, somewhere yeah. else. So,
1: but a, a good bulk. I know that it was, it was a secu- it was a, it was an intelligence coup for China. And a huge black guy for us. But leaving that aside, but uh, but but to be yeah.
0: clear, it, yeah, it made it made permanent enemies of them. With it, like, did. Indiv- like I, oh yeah, China, not, I'm not your friend, China, not your friend.
1: Both within U.S. government institutions and individuals, right? And individuals, right. yeah. So yeah, I think the world kind of woke up to the, the American national security world woke up to the belligerence. I mean, I think there were China trackers who had been tracking us, but now like the the hoi polloi of the national security community, like moi, we're like, oh my god, this is you know. But yeah, okay, so Zoom, you know, everything's filtered through, and and well, it, it, well yeah.
0: and just going back to our you know prior discussion yeah. on on strategy, right? Mm. You know, not a fan, but it's smart. The other yeah. thing that they're doing is look at TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. There is the ultimate way to penetrate the electronic devices of every household on the planet, right? And if you look at the terms again, this is like a Rogan thing, but if you look at the terms of service, they not only get access to like, full access to your machine, any machine in your household where you don't use TikTok on, they have access to, so. If you have a, a high powered diplomat in the US and their kids using TikTok and yeah. they don't know anything about it, the Chinese are collecting on them, collecting on yeah. everybody. And what is shocking about it is their strategic worldview is they, they they're into this whole social credit system. And yeah. this what this does is it helps them plant the seeds for a you know, again, I'm not, I don't know what their strategy is, but if I'm looking at it from the outside, this is and I were playing with their hand, I would probably do the same thing. It yeah. opens everyone on in the United States, people who have no ambition of becoming politicians who may 25 years from now become president. Right. For all we know, they are going to be potentially compromised if they use things like TikTok or, right. or anybody in their I mean, household, yeah. even you again, not, not knowing. So sorry, I didn't mean to go. No, off it, no I
1: mean, look, I mean, the U S is spending trillions of dollars on aircraft carriers and F 35s and stuff. and, they are in, they're making some investments in the military, but you know small ones compared to us. And they're investing in information mm-hmm. and data gathering and AI. And you know, we live in an information age. And in an information age, you know, you can weaponize information and get a lot better, like not better, a lot more powerful results than threats of physical force. And I think that's and and this information penetration doesn't respect boundaries or borders or treaties or any of that and you know where we you know and you know china has a goal by 1 october 1 october 2049 they want to be the regional hegemon of asia and by the end of the century they want to be global hegemon and they have this narrative like we are the oldest greatest civilization in the world And they kind of are the oldest living civilization in the world. Doesn't make them the greatest. And they have a chip in their shoulder about the 19th century called the century of humiliation. And they, you know, and and they're also using not just military might, but really their power is in information, something called the three warfare strategy, which we can discuss if you wish, and economic power. And again, our national security establishment. Is you know we're rookies at economic warfare because we've never had to really do it. We during the Cold War there was no economic warfare because it was the Soviet bloc versus the free trade bloc and they didn't interact. And during and before World War II, we were a second-rate power. We were not like France or the or England or you know, so we never really got to hone our you know our, our daggers at that. So that we need to get savvy about how do we engage in you know, economic warfare without scuttling our own economy in the process? And mm-hmm. some other things too, but this is China, when they look at how to wage war or foreign policy or statecraft, whatever we want to do, they look at using all instruments of national power, like course of diplomacy, their economic might, their military, and their and this information component. Where we generally look at just the military, you know, half of our federal discretionary budget goes into the Department of Defense. The other departments don't really look at, you know, they look at cooperating with China, and that's not wrong. But we need to have a cooperate, compete, come, you know, and like you know, push back thing. So
0: yeah, it's uh, it, it's concerning too because it's they practice this sort of gray zone warfare where they'll take things just to the brink and then back off or stop not really back off but just stop before we respond.
1: That's right. But they keep everything they capture or they make. Or they have a user fishing fleet. So they have something called the cabbage tactic, which is if there's an island that they want to capture, they they have they have their navy, but then they have like this massive fishing fleet that has you know Chinese Navy radios on it. They work for the Chinese Navy and they blur the line between civilians and, and combatants because they surround and they intimidate that island using this like their fishing fleet. They're, they're like, I call them like not little green men, but little blue men. And they also engage in things like lawfare. These are things to undermine international rule of law. So they do things that brazenly are against international norms and law when they take islands and they threaten people and they say the nine dash line's all theirs in the South China Sea And, you know, countries like, I think, like Philippines sued them in the International Court of Justice. International Court of Justice in The Hague says, China, you're wrong. They just ignore it and they reinterpret it in a ridiculous manner, like something even Saturday Night Live could come up with. I mean, just silliness. And so this is, they're using crafty and cunning tools of power And they're getting away with it. And this is why they're going to continue to do it. And we need to change the way we think about how do we get China out of the South China Sea? How do we put China back in the box? Because China has no friends, by the way. I mean, all those countries around it hate China. And they've hated China for like a thousand plus years. Why can't we do more about that? Why can't we build a wedge strategy to put daylight between Russia and China right now? I mean, there's all sorts of things that we should be doing. I just don't think we're aggressive enough. There are risks to doing it, yes. But there are also risks for the status quo. So we need to have an intelligent conversation about other ways to compel, to co- cooperate, and to compete.
0: And what would you recommend that we start to do in order to reverse a lot of these gains?
1: Well, so I, I kind of specialize in sneaky war, but I think there's, there's some craftiness, but there's also, there's an economic angle to this as well. I mean, their there real estate market is in real peril right now. Right. Mm-hmm. They've also the the CCP has created political sort of, I hate this term, buy in for the regime because they keep on delivering material improvement to the masses and that growing middle class. Well, that's going to plateau soon, I think this this decade. And when it does, will their middle class take it or they kind of fight back? Can we accelerate that stuff like that? You know, this information stuff that they're doing to us, we can't stop it, but are there things that we could do to them? The the answer is yes, but we choose not to. And there are some risks and there's other things that we, we can go into some strategy about some of the underhanded things so your viewers can think about whether that's prudent or not. But there's a lot of hurt that we could do. I mean, by you know, sending more aircraft carrier groups in the South China Sea to deter China is not working. There are other things that we could do in addition to that that might
0: be helpful. Do you have any anything you can discuss?
1: Sure. So let's just do a thought experiment. Okay, this is not me advocating for this, but this is like stuff Uh that should be on the table. So we need to adopt a, a, a sort of a strategy or a grand strategy even of the way to get China out of the South China Sea, get them out of trying to influence Africa and Latin America, is we need to get them more interested in their regime security than their external expedition ambitions. If you get them more worried about their internal, their domestic security, they will pull back voluntarily from all this expeditionarianism. So how do we do that? Well, we've got to do things that threaten the CCP without getting it to the brink of war. So, we do the same thing that they're doing to us in the South China Sea. We go up to the, we kind of do a little bit of games of bricksmanship, not all the way to the end, because we don't want accidental warfare, accidental nuclear warfare. But so, for example, here's a couple of ideas China has on its border, you know, all these states who do not like China historically. Let's prop them up. They can be a thorn in the side of China. Let's also, you know, help train and equip them. Let's professionalize their military. And yes, some of them are like they work for bad dictators, you know. But we, you know, or they work for autocracies. But you know, we also we work with Saudi Arabia. I mean, this isn't news. Right. Um, right. So that's one thing to do. Another thing is like, can we create a real insurgency in the West? you know, with the Uyghurs and others, you know, to get their mind. And U.S. Army Special Forces is, you know, this is what they're created to do. Not Their their secondary mission is to jump out of black helicopters, kick down doors and bag people. That's their secondary. Their primary mission is to go deep infiltration into the enemy territory and create a guerrilla movement against the, to become insurgents of their own against, you know, the Beijing. Can we create color revolutions? Right. So color revolutions like made on square the orange revolution in Ukraine in 2005. You know, Hong Kong was sort of that way. Did the U.S. have a hand in that? I can't say. Should could we have done more? Maybe, you know, you know, are there are things like their zero covid policy locking down all of Shanghai, yeah, which crazy. really brought out some of the problems. Let's can we not work with that? You know, can we separate you know, we always talk about, you know, especially, you know, going in, every time we went in negotiations, we're like, talk about the Uyghurs. And nobody cares about the Uyghurs, to be honest with you. If you really want to get, you know, China's attention, have the SEC delist some Chinese companies for a few days and see what happens, right?
0: Yeah, well, just as an aside, the thing about the Uyghurs is yeah. they were shooting at us in Afghanistan too, right? I know. So... But like, yeah.
1: And then, then lastly, my favorite, and this is going to, some of your viewers will love or hate this, but let's do regime change, but not George W. Bush style, not like Iraq 2003. So autocracies, as you know, they're not, they're not even like, they concentrate all their power at the very top. That's how they can do big things because they, they have a huge centralized power. It's Orwellian, and it's not even like a big pyramid. It's more like a telephone pole. And at the top of the telephone pole is the is the autocrat with his lieutenants. And that autocrat, no matter how comfortable he or she looks, is always worried about their life expectancy.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: can we covertly
0: feed the paranoia? right?
1: And right. And then convince him. I think we may have talked about this, you know, convince him to take out some of his lieutenants for us. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we can do. We ought not to. And there's good reasons for that. But there's also good reasons to consider this because the status quo may not be working.
0: Yeah. I think and you just have to be considerate about if we do X again, a little bit, you know, old school game theory, a little bit, if, if we do X, what will they, what is their optimal strategy from a Y perspective? So let's take the, Seeding special forces in uh Xinjiang province, right? Well, what would the Chinese do? Well, they would probably try to stoke, you know, the, the differences between the left and the right and partisanship in the United States and try they to do provoke it right now already, though. Yeah, that's fair. They, that's they, fair.
1: They could amp it up. But yeah, if they amp it up, they risk exposure. So the three warfare strategy is all about. The so three warfares is in it's it's three things. One is lawfare, as we've discussed. One is like their, you know, like they have their version of RT news called CCTV and their own media, and the and the third is like political. We call it political warfare, and can they stir the pot between the red and blue culture war so that we kind of take ourselves down? So they might respond with more aggression on that. That could be the case. But yeah, there. when we, there is, you're right. There's a, we do this, they do that. Although it could be very hard to predict those things, especially for autocracies, because it's so personal.
0: Yeah, and it's non-linear.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then they, whatever they do, they can do quickly. They can do a lot lot more, a lot more quickly than we can.
1: So we always talk about like, one of the things that they're selling in the world for their soft power is that autocracies can get big things done look at COVID, but they can also make, this is, they can make big solutions. They can make big mistakes like the zero like the COVID cult- ball. Yeah.
0: Or the cultural revolution as or an the example. cultural
1: revolution or yeah, the great leap forward. And so I, you know, and it's our job to sort of remind the world about that, you know? And, you know, again, like, we'll just put, we'll lock down Shanghai. Like that's a city bigger than most countries populations, you know? And, you do you want to live under that type of authoritarianism? I mean, so we could do a job of, of it. And also, like, and we've talked about this before, but like, you know, they talk about the great Chinese firewall. I mean, can we get covertly another side of that and plug into their IT architecture and allow them to Google anything they want, uh, you know, using pirate VPNs? I, I don't know, but
0: probably, and you know, we probably already have.
1: But do we have it enough is the question. And I guess because autocracies, are built on lies they're built on manipulating people's perception of reality and if we can get in the middle of that process that's a lot more you know that's what gets them out of the south china sea eventually you know it may provoke a huge reaction but let's not forget the last time the chinese military won a war was 1949 they got their butts kicked by the vietnamese of all people in In two
0: weeks in two or three weeks it was
1: ridiculous You know, so let's, you know, let's, there's all this saber rattling, but let's not, you know, let's take some of it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying we should ignore it or downplay it, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't freak out. I mean, we shouldn't freak out.
0: All right, my friend, as always, it was a a pleasure and uh, hopefully see you soon. Anytime, Sean. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe and I'll see you next time.